Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. But if you're a mum, you know, I hope that you had a great start to your day. Um, I hope maybe you've got a coffee made for you. Maybe you got some gifts or a card this morning. Maybe you just got a really nice message. Hopefully uh, you got a coffee on your way in this morning, but I hope that your day is going off to a great start and that you have um, some really good things that are coming up in your day that you can look forward to. And like has already been said, you know, we just love to be able to honour all of our mums today. And you know, as I was reflecting and thinking about um, the message for this morning, I was thinking, you know, there are some great mums that we have in history. If we look back, you know, there are just some really great mums. And I was reflecting, I was like, you know, some of these you may not have heard of before. So if I mention the name Nancy Edison, maybe you don't know who she is, but I can guarantee you know who her son is, Thomas Alva Edison. Everyone knows who Thomas Edison is, and he was actually the youngest of her seven children. And the thing that makes Nancy so amazing is that for Thomas, you know, he didn't do so well in school. And in fact, his teachers had kind of given up hope in his education. And so they, they actually didn't really um, want him to keep staying at school, really. And Nancy didn't want to give up on his education. So she said, you know what, I'm going to take Thomas home and I am going to home school him. And on reflection, Thomas actually had this to say about his mum. He said, my mother was the making of me. She was so true, so sure of me, and I felt I had something to live for, someone I must not disappoint. How amazing is that? He had someone in his life that believed so deeply in him that he had that to say about her later on. Now, I'm sure that you all know who Thomas Edison is because of the amazing inventions that he had, but you know, I don't know if you know that the light bulb filament that he invented it actually took over 2,000, well, actually 2,774 attempts before he actually found that filament. Now, I would have given up long before that. Um, but he actually had this perseverance, this, this ability to keep going when things didn't go the way that he planned. And in er- all of his inventions, in fact, you know, when something didn't go his way, he just kept on trying. He just kept on trying. And he was actually known for this um, by all of the, the peers around him. And I believe that that was because the belief and the sewing that his mum had actually instilled into him at a very young age. Another mum goes by the name of Alberta King. Once again, may not know her so well. She was a a musician in her local church. Uh, She had three kids, but one of them was Martin Luther King Jr. Now, I'm sure you all know who the great Martin Luther King Jr. is. Um, And, you know, she she raised all of her kids to have self-respect. And um, the thing that is so interesting about her impact actually comes from the autobiography that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote. And he had this to say about the way that she taught all the kids how to see um, the segregation that they saw in the US at the time. She said to see it simply as a social condition rather than a natural order. She made it clear she opposed this system and that I, this being Martin Luther King Jr., must never allow it to make me feel inferior. At this time, mother had no idea that the little boy in her arms would years later be involved in a struggle against the system she was speaking of. You know, it just goes to show you what an impact people, mothers, can have in the lives of younger people. You know, Alberta here shows us that we reproduce who we are 
in the next generation. And I just think, you know, there are so many amazing mums out there. You know, that's just two of them. But there are so many. And, you know, at the moment, we are in a series uh, called Clean Heart. And I was thinking, you know, this is so important for us to hear on Mother's Day because our hearts is what is guiding us. It is what is leading us to lead that example in the next generation, in our kids. And I don't know if you realise it, I'm sure you probably do, but parents, you are the main discipler of your children. And I know that there's probably quite a lot of you sitting here at the moment, you're going, I don't have kids. Maybe you're a young person, maybe you're a single, um, you know, maybe you just don't have kids, whatever reason. But, you know, when it comes to discipleship, it's, it's all the same thing. Um, you know, when we get things in our heart that shouldn't be there, they can separate us from our relationship with God. And we don't want to reproduce those things in the people who we have influence over. But the good news is, is that God can close that gap, that gap of separation that we have between him. But we need to be willing to bring those things that are causing that gap towards him. Now, parents, this one's probably for you, although you might remember if you're young enough doing this yourself, but if you've ever been driving in the car and you've got the kids in the back and uh, someone cuts you off and then you hear the kids in the back, they go, watch it, and you think to yourself, uh, I, w- I was about to say that. Um, it's almost like they know what I'm about to say, like they know what I'm thinking. And then it kind of suddenly dawns on you, you know, the words that you say, your kids are starting to repeat. And it kind of, kind of gets you to think, you know, oh, geez, you know, I need to be really careful because I have these, these people that are in the car with me, that I take around everywhere with me, and, you know, they, they are starting to repeat and do the things that I do. They're starting to repeat the things that I say and it makes me think, oh, better make sure that I do this thing right. You know, whether you realise it or not, you are influencing people around you right now, whether you're a parent or not. And whether you have children, we find ourselves in situations where we can be intentional about discipling and leading others to grow in their relationship with Jesus. So yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity and a privilege that we have to disciple the next generation. But do you know that it is actually our responsibility? Jesus' final instruction to us as followers of Jesus, we find in Matthew 28, 19, and it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, that was the very last thing that Jesus said. It tells us one thing. It was very, very important. You know, parents, discipling the nations begins at home. You know, discipling nations, it isn't going to just happen overnight. It is a step-by-step process with those around us. And it starts with our kids. And, you know, God, obviously, he wants this to work, okay? I mean, he told us to do it. I mean, he is pretty invested in this. Uh, you know, he told the kids to listen uh, to their parents, but then he also told the parents that we need to teach the kids about him. In Deuteronomy 6, 6-7, to God tells us this. He said, These words I am commanding you today 
are to be upon your hearts. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and speak of them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. It actually goes on in verse 8 to 9 and says, Tie them as reminded on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. We don't really do that right now. Um, write them on your doorposts of your houses and on your gates. In other words, he's saying, write it everywhere. Right? You know, kids, if your bunk beds have posts that are big enough, you could write it on your bunk beds. Parents, only if you say that, that's okay. Uh, you know, you could put it on the back door. You know, put, put it on the fridge. Uh, you know, put a poster on the back of the toilet door. Have you guys ever seen those before? You know, you're sitting in the toilet and someone has put something on the back of that toilet door and, you, you know, you can't really escape it. So whatever is there, let's make it something that's going to be beneficial for our kids, all right? The whole point of this, God is trying to get across the point that we need to get his words into the hearts of our children, to the hearts of our young people. Um, but, you know, the command to the kids is a little bit different, right? Because those of you that have had kids, no kids, spent any time with kids, know that they often need a little bit of an extra incentive um, for them to actually maybe, I don't know, listen and, and maybe do it. And so we read about this in Ephesians 6, 2 to 3. It says, Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That's the little extra. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, you may have heard this somewhere before other than Ephesians, and that is because this is one of the Ten Commandments, right? So we read about this already in, in Exodus. Now, the fact that this is repeated from the Old Testament into the New Testament tells us a few things. Probably the most obvious is that this is extremely important. This is really important to God. Anytime that God repeats something from the Old Testament to the New, we really need to listen up. We need to pay attention. We need to take notice. This is something that is really, really important to God. You know, when we read about honour, honour just means to place weight or to place respect on that person, to place respect on what they say. It means that when they ask you to do something, you'll do it. It means that you hold in high regard their values and their, their perspectives. And so, you know, I have three kids, right? So they range from 12 to 7. And so when it comes to this journey of honour, they're, they're all in varying places. And sometimes it can depend on the situation. Um, and so when I think about bedtime, this is probably a really good way to de describe the honour around mother and father, right? So we'll say to our kids, okay, guys, it's time to get ready for bed. Go get your pyjamas on, go brush your teeth. And then this amazing thing happens. They go and do it. No, that doesn't happen. Anyone with kids knows that is not what happens. They just sit there. Whatever they're doing, they just continue doing it. I'm like, guys... Can you please go and get ready for bed? Nothing happens. I reckon by the third or the fourth time, and I've got to tell you, by this point, I'm starting to get a bit agitated. I'm like, guys, why aren't you going to get ready for bed? You need to go get ready for bed. It's getting late. And eventually the process starts to unfold. And then we get like, they get kind of halfway there. They get their pyjamas on, then they come out and they have to have a talk with you about something that happened during the day. I'm like, just go brush your teeth, please. Go brush your teeth. You need to get into bed. Or they walk out with their toothbrush. And I'm like, guys, just seriously, please just get into bed. And we finally get them into bed and we think, okay, so we prayed. We've done everything. We think it's over. It's not over. <laughs> then 
They come out of bed. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you. And it's like something that's really not even that important. I'm like, oh, guys, this can wait until tomorrow. Um, but you know what? Some nights they, they do get it straight away or one of them gets it straight away and you think, yes, we're winning. We've got it. They've got it. They understand. You know, they understand the sleep is important, that they understand that they, they value it, that they really need it. They've respected and honoured what we've asked them to do. And you know what? This honour is just as important with your parents as it is with our relationship with Jesus. And when we place weight on what he has said, we will be obedient to what he's asked us to do and his values and his perspectives will change our lives. You know, when I think about the Ten Commandments, the first five of them were all about honour, all about this issue of honour. And it just tells me how important it is to God that we honour him and that we honour our parents. It means that we're going to put everything in its right place. You know, we need to be continually making sure that we are doing this because when we do that, we're going to be growing in our relationship with Jesus and it's going to mean that we're going to be better disciples because we can only reproduce who we are and where we have been. And you know, this is exactly what happened with Alberta King. You know, perhaps without even realising it, she raised a son with self-confidence and with self-respect enough to be able to see what was happening in America at the time was not okay. That being judged by your outward appearance, by the colour of your skin was, was not okay. And he decided that he was going to do something to make a difference. He was going to stand up against that. You know, she reproduced her own values, her Christian ideals, her faith, in her children. She left something in and for the next generation. And we know that everything in America is changed today as a direct result of what happened in that family. Now, I'm sure this next point is not going to be that shocking to you, right? But everyone has a mum. Right? Everyone has a mum. It's been this way since creation. I know, super deep. But there are two people, I guess, that kind of get away with this, right? Adam and Eve, because God created them in the garden. So they can kind of get, they can kind of get away with that, right? And it kind of got me thinking, actually, because I'm like, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Do you think they had belly? Because, you know, like you need a mum to have belly buttons, right? Because that's kind of how the whole thing happens. And I'm like, mm, did they have it? And then they had their own kids. And then we're like, hey, what are those? Like, that, we don't have those. Like, where do they come from? You know, that's a bit, that's a bit weird. Um, but anyway, I mean, we kind of digress a little bit. But, you know, as we read through the scriptures, you could almost be forgiven for not thinking about this because of all the names that are mentioned in the Bible, 90% of them are men, 90% of them are males. But, you know, all of them had mums, right? And so as I was reflecting on some of the great men that we read about, I wondered, you know, what are their mums like? So I thought we'd just take a really quick look at a couple of them. So I thought, you know, what about Joseph? You know, his mum, Rachel, she was barren for a really long time and eventually she gave birth to Joseph. And he happened to be the 12th son for his father, Jacob. He also happened to be um, the favoured child, which didn't end up working quite so well for him because his brothers got really jealous and then ended up selling him into slavery. Um, but he... He was shown a lot of favour 
um, in his life. And that favour that he got shown um, from his mom and the love that he showed there, he was then able to reshow later in life when his brothers came and desperately needed their help when they found themselves in a time of famine and they had no food. Now think about Moses and his mum Jochebed. You know, Moses was born in a time where Pharaoh had issued a decree for all of the firstborn sons to be killed for the Israelites. And she, you know, kept him hidden for as long as possible for about three months. And then, you know, a lot of you will know the story, but she put him in a basket and put him in the river and just had faith that, you know, he would be okay. And as the story goes, she... He was and, you know, by God's grace, she actually ended up being able to to wean him and, you know, he ended up um, surviving. And as the story goes, you know, Jochebed, you know, was part of him being saved, him being redeemed. And then Moses grows up to be the redeemer of the whole Israelite people. Um, And we think about Timothy, you know, we read of him in the New Testament and, you know, he had the largest church in the day. And it says of him that he was filled with faith because of the heritage of faith from his grandmother Lois that was then passed down to his mother Eunice and then down to Timothy. We actually don't know anything about Timothy's father, but his grandmother and his mother are mentioned by name in the New Testament. How amazing is that? And I was thinking, you know, what about Jesus? You know, like, it's kind of interesting, I think. You know, Jesus is God. But God entrusted him to be born as a baby to a mum. And he chose Mary to be his mum. Now, Mary actually ended up being a single mum from about the time that Jesus was about 12 years old. And I I think about it and I'm like, you know, Jesus was a baby at some point. Like he he didn't come out of the womb and was like some kind of superhuman. You know, like he still had to have his butt wiped. He still had to be fed. Someone still had to dress him. You know, like he was a baby just like everybody else. Um, And he grew up obviously to be the saviour of all people. But God entrusted him to a mum. You know, I think about each of these sons that we read about. They reproduced in them the gifting that their mothers had passed down to them. You know, we could say that the mothers had reproduced who they are in their next generation. As disciples of Jesus, we must be intentionally growing in our relationship with him and discipling others because when we do, we reproduce Jesus in our kids. We reproduce Jesus in the next generation. And the reality is we have a whole nother generation coming up after us that need to know the love of Jesus. They need to grow into strong men and women of faith, just like the people that we read about in the Bible. Um, and, you know, we see great stories of influence that people have had of, of discipleship in here. But, you know, God is still weaving together the stories of individuals of generations, of nations into his eternal purposes. And the beautiful thing about God is that he desires a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And he has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. He has a purpose for all of us. But that purpose that he has is not just for us. It is for all of us. It is bigger than just us. And he sees our lives in the context of this bigger picture. His purpose, it continues from generation 
to generation and his desire is for each generation to know his love, to know him. The thing is, in order for this to happen, there is a little bit of a condition on it and that is that we must remain in him. And there, there is a story that we can read about in Judges chapter 2, verse 7, 10 and 12, where this didn't quite happen as to plan. We read in verse 7, it says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Verse 10, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Verse 12, and they abandoned the Lord and the God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And I just think, you know, it's actually such a sobering thought. I think, like, how, how is this even possible? You know, maybe, maybe you haven't been in church for a while. Maybe you haven't read this part of the Bible, the Old Testament, in a long time. But you have to understand, like, the Israelites, they, they were enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years until Moses came and he delivered them with God's grace out of the land of Egypt. And these Israelites, they, they saw amazing miracles. They saw the Red Sea part. They saw manna fall from heaven so that they could be fed. Like they, they saw so many things. And yeah, sure. Okay. So the generations that we're reading about now, they, they didn't see that. Okay. But surely, surely someone was passing that information down. Surely someone was telling. Like these are huge things. These aren't just like, oh, my finger was sore and I prayed and it felt better. Like these aren't like little things, although like if God does that, that is amazing, by the way. But you know, like then these aren't small things. Like these are like, like God parted the sea and they walked through on dry land and then it swallowed up all the Egyptians coming over them. Like that, they're amazing things. Like how can these stories not get passed down? And the reality is, it's just because the parents didn't pass down the stories and values that were meant to guide the next generation. The generation before didn't pass it down to the ones coming after. They didn't disciple them in the ways of God. And I just think, you know, the danger for our generation is not even having our own stories to pass on. You know, do you have your own testimonies that you are sharing with others? Are you following Jesus right now in a way that could lead you to have your own incredible story? Or are you at such a distance that you've got nothing to pass on? I think this is such an important question because if it can happen to the Israelites, then I think we have to be humble enough to realise that it could happen to us too. You know, the enemy will do anything he can to distract us and keep us from building up the next generation because even he knows that we reproduce who we are in the next generation. And if the enemy can keep us distracted for long enough, then before we know it, we could have another generation like that one we read about in Judges who do not know of the work that Jesus God has done in our lives, in our generation. A generation who don't know what has happened in the generations before them. 
And I think we know this instinctively, but is really made clear in judges that you can't model one type of behaviour and expect your children to grow up differently. You must model what you want to see. Psalm 145, 4-7 says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendour of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. You know, this passage is really, it's speaking directly to this, that one generation speaks to the next about the goodness, the greatness, the mercy of God, His abundant goodness of everything that He has done. And you know, if, you, if we want our kids to grow up and honour God and honour what He says, then we need to show them what this looks like. You know, maybe it's as simple as, you know, taking His Word and, and reading it, speaking with them about it, applying it to your life and showing them what it looks like. If we want our kids to grow up and love Jesus, then we need to be spending time with Him, praying, praying with our kids. You know, maybe it's as simple as just putting on some worship music and, and praising God together, like having it on in the car, what, whatever it is, talking with Jesus, talking with Him, with your kids. If you want your kids to grow up loving going to church, then we can't just think that's just going to happen. We have to love going to church too and bring them along with us. You know, sometimes I think we can have higher expectations on our kids than we do on ourselves and we just think that, you know, we're, we're just forgetting that we reproduce who we are and they do, they copy what we do. You know, if you're not seeing the fruit that you would like to see in your kids or the people that you are discipling right now, the good news is it's never too late to turn to set an example. You know, whether your kids are two or 42, they still see what you do, right? You're still making an impact on them. And it's never too late to show people that Jesus can change your life. That's right. Is there something that has gotten between you and where you are supposed to be going right now? Because, you know, the first person that you need to lead is yourself. You know, maybe for you, maybe it is just like I was saying, maybe you just need to pick up the, the Bible again and just start reading it more. Maybe just get out the Bible app, whatever works for you. Um, maybe, maybe you just need to steward your resources a little bit better. Maybe you do just need to set aside that time and just, just spend more time praying with God. Maybe, maybe you're not doing that quite as much as you used to. Maybe for you, you just need to be an encourager. Maybe just become a little bit cynical. You just need to be more encouraging of other people. Where's the gap for you? you know, where is that gap that you need to bridge between you and your relationship with God? You know, we need, to, we need to close that gap because it doesn't matter who you are. You are taking people along with you. And one thing that was consistent with every single person that we looked at today, they all honoured God. You know, his perspective, his word, it carried weight in their lives. They listened to him and they obeyed him. And for all the parents that we read about who honoured God, their children honoured God too. 
Because the reality is you reproduce who you are in the next generation. And if God carries weight in your life, then it will in your children's lives too. It will in the lives of those people who you are discipling too. So let's not let's be people who pass down the testimonies of what He's done in our life to those who we spend our time with, with our kids, with the people who we are being intentional with discipling, even the people that we work with, the people that we go to school with. Let's not be silent and forget all that God has done for us, like we read about those in Judges that end up having a generation coming after us who do not know who God is. Let's not stand back and just hope for the best, but be proactive in discipling the next generation. You know, I just want to pray today for, I guess, a a couple of groups of people. And and the first group of people I want to pray for are those that feel like, you know, they do have a gap. You know, because like I said before, the first person we need to lead is ourselves. But whether you realise it or not, you are influencing people around you. Everyone is influencing someone. And whether you're being intentional about it or not, um, I think it's really an important question to ask ourselves. You know, where, where is the gap in my life right now? You know, is, is there something that I need to do to make sure that I am being a good example to those around me? You know, it doesn't matter whether you're a parent it doesn't matter if you're a small group leader. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're the only Christian at your sporting club or workplace or school. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter the, the, the area that you find yourself in. You know, if people are looking up to you as your example to follow, then this question's for you. You know, and I'd, I'd, really, like, I'd really like to pray with you because I really believe that, you know, when we honour God when we honour our parents, when we put everything in the, in the right order and we are committed to being good disciples, good followers of Jesus, we can really make a difference in the next generation. And so I'm just going to ask the question, why doesn't everyone close their eyes and bow their heads so people feel like they can respond? If this is you and you just feel like there is like maybe an area in your life that you're like, you know what, God, I just I just need to be better at this. I just need to be better at finding time with you. I feel like maybe I need to spend more time in the Word. I need to understand the Word better, God. Help me to be able to speak to my friends better about you, God, Lord. I'm a parent. Help me to be able to lead my kids better. If that's you, or if anything I've said today you just, it just resonates with you, why don't you just raise your hand and I'm just going to include you in a prayer this morning. The hand is not for me, the hand is for God, a sign of, sign of surrender to Him. God, I just thank you so much that you love us all so deeply and that you have a purpose for each and every one of us and that your purpose goes beyond us It goes beyond me. It goes beyond our generation, God, that you care so deeply about each of us, that you um, are invested in growing us to the point that we can help lead the generations after us that are to come. And Lord God, for those that are maybe parents here today that are recognising maybe I need to do 
um, something in order to help my kids to have a better understanding of who you are, God. Lord, I just pray that you would help them. Being a parent isn't always easy, God. And whether your kids are 2 or 42, God, it, it can still be a challenge at times, Lord. And so I pray that you would help them to be able to lead your children well, God. And Lord, for those that have recognised that maybe there is a gap, maybe there's just an area of their life that they just need to be able to hand over to you for you to be able to come and just help them to get closer to you, God. Lord, I just pray that you would help them with that, Lord. Just practically even just, you know, whether it's setting up a timetable for their day, um, whether it's praying together with somebody else, God, whether it's getting the Word open and doing a Bible study with somebody else, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would help them in everything that we do. God, I just thank you so much for each person. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.